Hey guys, it's Stacy with our bi-monthly What We're Cooking and Eating Now episode. These episodes are a quick rundown of what we've cooked for our families in the last week. Usually, Megan and I share six recipes we've fed our families for dinner so that you can turn them into a meal plan for yourself. Links to all specific recipes mentioned are shared on the free message board in our community. If you are a member, grab them there. If you're not a member, what's wrong, guys? Join. Join today. All you have to do is share your email address, which we always keep private, go to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community or click the link in our Instagram bio for details. But you guys, this week I am changing things up. Megan recorded our last What We Are Cooking and Eating Now episode with our friend and community member Lou while I was traveling. And now Megan is traveling. She's on a well-deserved break. So I invited my friend, my colleague, all around baking megastar, Jesse Sheehan. Hi, Jesse. Hello. <laughs> so happy to have you again. Our audience knows you mostly from our back to school baking episode. We recorded that right as your book Snackable Bakes came out. Gosh, and everybody knows about Snackable Bakes, not just from that episode, but I kept talking about this book. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with it because I'm just not a baker and it made baking so fun and easy and practical. And I feel like you actually legitimized all of my like shortcuts and all my like, eh, I think I can make this in one bowl. You know, Megan's like a pro baker, so she's happy to do it exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And she's making croissants and pretzels. And I'm like, can I just make a one bowl cake and everybody be happy? And I feel like your book, I don't know, validated me. I want to say that was my intention, but I actually didn't know you when I was writing. You did it. You did it. You didn't mean to validate me. (laughs) If I can say anything about the book, besides the fact that it was on the New York Times best cookbooks of 2022 list, if I can say anything besides that, I would say that it is very much like me. Like that is how I Mm -hmm. bake. It sounds like you and I are the same person, which we knew already anyway. And (laughs) so the book is very much me and how I like to do things. And I have a voracious sweet tooth, but not, but like zero patience and zero interest in a baking project. So anyway, long story short. So everybody's going to grab that book, but also tell us about the new book and the podcast real quick. And then we'll jump into what we're cooking and eating. I'm going to, this is my very, very fast um, elevator pitch. Yes. So I am writing another snackable bake bakes book, except this one is savory. So it's savory snackable bakes. Everything in the book has the same concept as the first book. Everything's assembled in 20 minutes or less. Everything is made with ingredients in your pantry or at your local grocery store. And nothing requires a piece of equipment like a stand mixer or a food processor, but everything savory. So think cheese and maybe some meat and maybe some veggies. Dun, da, da. I always think meat and cheese, by the way. Always. <laughs> okay, You're good. my hero. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> and then the podcast, I am, it's called She's My Cherry Pie. And you can listen to it wherever you sexy, listen to your podcast. Sexy. I know, right? <laughs> sexy pie. But um, it is part of the Cherry Bomb Podcast Network. They are producing it. And essentially, in each episode, I do a deep dive with an iconic baker into their signature bake. So season one just finished up. 
We're on a teeny hiatus before we start season two, but we had Zoe Francois on the show and we had Natasha Pickowitz on the show and we had Claudia Fleming on the show Amazing. and Joanne Chang Dory Greenspan. It was incredible. I love Dory Greenspan. Okay, so everyone's going to buy Snackable Bakes, be yeah. on the lookout for the next Snackable Bakes and listen to the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Right Thank now, you very much. Right now, we're going to just get real. We're going to be two moms on the mic talking about what we cooked. And you know what? I want to hear like something you baked this week too, just because that's your thing. Okay. Okay. So you're going to share what you fed your family this week. First of all, full disclosure, and I hope your listeners don't turn off the (laughs) podcast right now. I do not love cooking for my family. I am a very ambivalent family cooking mom. Moreover, I have one kid left. The other one's in college. So I'm only cooking for one, and my husband is often um, not around. It is me and Jack, who happens to go to school with your children, which is great and fun and weird. But anyway, um, so it's me and Jack. Jack is a teeny, teeny, tiny bit picky, which means maybe even more than teeny, which means you just, he doesn't like spicy. He doesn't like a Mm -hmm. lot of things. I'm just going to say that. So I'm going to share three of his favorites, which happen to be things I actually cooked, which is always fun. First things first, he loves a sloppy Joe. It is one of his one of his fave things. I often make it in my Instant Pot because I'm obsessed with my Instant Pot. But sometimes, I don't know if you ever feel this way, Stacey, some, or the listeners feel this way. Sometimes I'm all about saving time with my Instant Pot and it's a really easy recipe. And I think, oh yeah, like this is just as fast on the stove top. Yeah. And it's still, <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. So I pulled out my Instant Pot. I warmed it up. <laughs> I've like found all the pieces that I like had gone missing. And then I'm like, oh my God, why aren't I doing this in a fry pan? <laughs> yes, but totally. essentially, this is a this is a Martha Stewart recipe from way back that I just love. It's super easy peasy. You're you're sauteing some some onions and green peppers, and she calls for celery. I do not get the celery out. That just seems like no, not doing it. She calls for garlic. <laughs> One thing I want to say, I never get to talk about savory things, so I'm gonna take a quick moment to do yeah, so. Good. Julia Tertian said in one of her books, and if Julia Tertian says it, we can all follow suit, that you do not need to buy garlic if you do not want to. If you do not want to mince it, buy it in a jar. And so I'm here to say that I buy garlic in a jar. Sorry, haters. I have to hide it when my husband's around because he thinks that's like so like the antithesis to like everything he believes in. But when he's not here, it's front and center in the refrigerator. Okay, so I'm one of those people. I don't like garlic in a jar either, but I endorse it as a shortcut. And I think that it totally works. And especially in a dish like Sloppy Joe. So yes, yes, yes. I do buy free cut onions. Ooh, honey. I do it. I do it. Wow. Okay, good to know. I might start doing that. I'm looking for all the shortcuts. But anyway, I don't, I want to get back to it. So we have our oil, we have our onions, our green peppers, our garlic. You're sauteing that till like soft, maybe a little bit brown. There's pepper, there's salt, there's ground beef. Mm. But, 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 but try ground turkey because it tastes just as good. And if you're feeling like, oh gosh, I don't want to do too much red meat and I already did it this week or anything like that. I love this with ground turkey. Jack does not know, nor does he care. Have a question. Do you add more fat because you're using turkey or no, it works one-to-one substitute? I do not. It works one-to-one. Then there's a a can of tomato sauce. Um, You know, 
whatever, like just a simple one that isn't that isn't um, flavored, not like a rouse situation, yeah. which I adore, but simple tomato sauce. Um, ketchup, very important, quarter cup. A little bit of Worcestershire, also very important. And ta-da, you're done, literally. Love it. In the pan, you didn't need your Instant Pot. I like those um, those Martin's potato buns. Yep. And I use those and done and dusted. Jack is so happy. One thing I want to mention, if I worry that I'm not getting healthy enough food ingredients into the main course. Jack is, since he was little, has always just loved a bowl of baby spinach with some dressing on it. Yes. So, totally. so I am always throwing baby spinach in his face. He is always eating it. Right now we're working like a ranch dressing from Whole Foods, but sometimes if my husband's around and he makes me one, we have a homemade dressing or Jack just likes olive oil and salt. Yeah. So my kids also love baby spinach with dressing. Always have a canister of it. It's perfect for smoothies and then also for a quick salad like that. Yeah. Love it. And so is that what you served with the Sloppy Joe's, the little spinach salad? That's what I did. Beautiful. With every meal, with every meal I'm going to tell you. I served <laughs> yes. it with a spinach salad. Don't tell. But I did. Beautiful. Okay. Second is my baked chicken tenders. It's basic. I mean, I kind of riff on an Allison Roman recipe um, from the New York Times, but essentially I'm all about the baked chicken finger. I feel like the kids can't really tell that we didn't fry them and they're incredibly delicious. And so when I make them, I kind of, the link will be to her recipe, which is fabulous, but basically easy peasy. Like I always buy um, dark meat. I never buy white meat. I bought dark, skinless, boneless thighs. I cut them into tenders. I dip them all into, if I'm being fancy and trying to be healthy, whole wheat pastry flour. Uh-huh. Because getting a little whole wheat flour into Jack and also you can't really tell and blah, blah, blah. And pastry flour is kind of fine. It's kind of perfect. A little bit of whole wheat pastry flour, then into the eggs, then into panko. It's not even flavored panko, but I will usually, sometimes I'll add, again, always looking for a shortcut. I will add like an Italian seasoning blend yes, into, totally. into the panko. Dip, dip, dip. Then I put them on a parchment lined or a tinfoil lined baking sheet. Then I just like drizzle. I'm doing, you guys can't see me, but I'm doing a funny hand motion because my olive oil is in a squeeze bottle. Yes. So then I kind of squeeze my olive oil all over both sides, maybe a little salt and pepper. 425, I don't know, 10 minutes. I flip them 10 minutes. I They're done. Jack Love is it. in heaven. Okay. I want a, I want a chicken tender taste off between me and Allison Roman. That's yes. what I want. There's one, there's a recipe that I love and that's really popular in my cookbook, Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. Ooh. And it's a cacio e pepe, right? So I don't know if Jack would like it. I don't know how he feels about cheese. I don't he actually likes cheese. use cacio, cacio cheese. And I kind of hate when people call things cacio e pepe when it's really just Parmesan. But anyway, right. whatever. That's what I do. So I did what I hate. Oh, well, it happens sometimes. They're delicious. He would love that. Can you let, you should link to that in the show notes because I want to know about that. Yeah. I don't know if I ever published it online, but you know what? I will. The book's been out forever. Let's do it. Let's put that chicken tender recipe up. Okay. Yeah, that sounds so delicious. And also, I just wanted to say that Jack loves chicken parm. So after I make, 
after I make the tenders, I take the tray from the toaster oven, I wrap it in tinfoil, I put on Rouse tomato sauce, I plop down the chicken tenders, I grab, I forget the name of it, but that Wisconsin brand of sliced mozzarella. Yes, totally. Yeah. I cover it. I cover the, the, the tenders in the, in the, in the mozzi. We call it mozzi. Then I do more sauce. Then I sprinkle Parmesan into the toaster oven. 20 more minutes, done and dusted. He's fine. He's so happy. I love it. Final recipe. And I wonder if a version of this is in your book too. So Mm -hmm. this is a slow roasted chicken with extra crispy skin. It's a genius recipe from Food 52. And I think it is epically delicious essentially you take and kind of crazy and maybe that's why i love it so much but uh well actually hello the only reason i love it is because it's so friggin easy okay i won't lie but then after the easiness it's also fantastic (laughs) so take a take a chicken stuff it with a lemon salt pepper rosemary whatever you do to it stick it in the oven Put it um, on 300 degrees, so really low and slow. Mm-hmm. The recipe says three hours. It does not take that long. I usually do it for about an hour and a half, but obviously use a uh, uh, use a um, thermometer, a probe yes. thermometer if you always, have one. Always, people, always. So you remove it from the oven when it's like at 165. She's saying two and a half to three hours. I swear to you, it's done in an hour and a half. Anyway, you take it from the oven. You crank up the oven to 425. The chicken is falling off the bone at this point. You carefully, because you will burn yourself. I've done it many times. You pull all of the skin off of the entire chicken. You can use a paring knife, blah, blah, blah. Then you take the skin. You put it on a clean rimmed baking sheet. You stick it back into the oven for 15 minutes until it basically turns into chicken skin potato chips. While the skin, while the skin is roasting, you pull all that chicken off the bones, you put it on a platter, you pull out your potato chip chicken skin, you crumple it over the platter with the chicken to die for. Okay, I really need to look at this recipe because, you know, genius recipes is a branded thing. And most of the recipes really are genius. And it started from a lot of really genius recipes. But now it's a brand and they have genius books. This legit is genius because everybody likes the crispy skin. It depends what cut. If you're carving a roast chicken right when it's done, some people get good pieces of crispy skin. Some don't. Even if you use a rack, because I have roasted literally a million chickens, especially while I was researching the book, there's always a part that the skin is soggy. Like it's nearly impossible to get good crisp, even crisp across the entire bird. And this solves the problem. I'm actually embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I didn't think of this. I'm embarrassed. Not only that, the because you slow roasted it, I forgot to mention that, bef- you know, after you pull all the pieces off of the chicken, you then very carefully pour all the juice that came from the chicken that's in the pan into a little dish and then mm. all over the chicken and then the Love crispy it. skin on top. So there's no dry chicken. Everything is delicious. Nobody's saying, I want this piece or I want that piece. Most of it's pulled off the bone anyway. I mean, some of the larger bones, you might still have chicken attached if you want to be able to serve somebody like a a drumstick or whatever, but it won't have any skin on it anymore. But yes, it is genius. It is delicious. I'm really hungry. I'm so glad I have leftovers in my fridge. Okay. Tell me one thing you baked this week because you're the queen of easy weekday baking. Yes, I am. And believe it or not, it's going to sound like it's hard, but it's not banana pudding pie. I made the... No, but listen, listen. 
I made the crust out of crushed vanilla wafers, and I didn't bake them. I just crushed them, mixed okay. them with butter I'm and with sugar. You. I'm and put them. Then I went over to the stovetop and made a cornstarch, you know, a cornstarch thickened vanilla pudding with a, a couple of eggs. I don't even temper the eggs. I throw them in. I just yes. cook it. It's done literally in 10 minutes. You have beautiful, thick pudding. You chop up a banana. You throw it in the pudding right away so that the warm pudding absorbs the flavor of the banana. You plop it in the crust. Six hours later, you are eating banana pudding pie. And then you put, of course, whipped cream on top. Can it be Cool Whip? Can it be Cool Whip? Uh, it should be Cool Whip. I love Cool Whip so Because I'm going to tell you that I have Nilla wafers in the house, a bunch of bananas that are going to go bad soon. Eggs and Cool Whip. Two tubs because it's Oliver's favorite. Okay. I'm so in. Twenty twenty four is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinner time overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter Butcherbox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. 
head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Home Threads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. All right, listen, here's what I cooked. I'm going to go fast, you guys, because I feel like my list this week's a little obnoxious. I'm going to not lie about it because I'm just back from traveling to Japan. And you know, it's really funny. Japan, I've spoken to other people about this and they had the same experience. A lot of places you go, you eat the food, you can't wait to get home and like have a taste of your own food, your own comfort foods. I really experienced this intensely in Japan because the flavors are so, the flavor palette is really different than a lot of the flavor palettes we have here. In New York, I'm not eating, I'm eating all different foods. I'm eating Japanese food, I'm eating Indian food, I'm, you know, Italian food. But to eat Japanese food for two weeks straight was actually as much as I love it, a little intense. A lot of like really clean, briny ocean seafood flavors. Um, The Japanese also love textures. It's like a whole different texture landscape with food from the sushi to the mochi to like those textures that playing with texture is in everything. It's even in the okonomiyaki, which are those uh, griddled pancakes, because they'll use a special Japanese yam, I just learned, that when you grate it, literally turns into something that's like ooze. I can't explain it. It's like gooey ooze. And they add it to the flour to give it a nice spring and texture. So texture is really important. Basically, by the end of the trip, though, I was like, if I don't get a burger like not a soy-based burger, not a Wagyu burger. Like I just need a burger (laughs) to like feel good right now. And pizza. Like I just want some pizza. So we got home, we ordered a pizza right away the first day. And then I immediately started craving Japanese food again. So I went to the Japanese market. I got a bunch of ingredients and I've been cooking a lot of Japanese food at home. So I don't know how practical or helpful this is, but I'm going to go with it anyway. The first thing I cooked is something called Nikujaga, which I had never had before. It's I took a home style Japanese cooking class while I was in um, Kyoto. And I learned how to make this nikujaga, and it's such a simple, easy beef and potato stew. Apparently, nikujaga translates to just meat and potato stew. And it could not be easier. You cut an onion, you saute it in oil, then you add the beef. Now, the beef is very, very thin cut. You know, like that Korean-style beef that almost is like shredded beef in a spicy sauce? That's made from a very thin cut of beef, and that's something that's easy to get at a Japanese food store. If you don't have access to that, but you're curious, you can just go buy a piece of beef and then put it in the freezer and then cut it really, really thin. Once it's not, you don't want to freeze it all the way, guys. You just want to freeze it a little bit so that you can cut it really easily. You might even be able to use a mandolin if you have one. That would make it great. So you want thin, long pieces that you then cut into shreds. And I would say that you should probably use chuck or ribeye. Anyway, you get the beef, you put it in there too. You get some carrots, you cut, you want to cut the vegetables to even sizes. So I would say like an inch and a half, your potatoes, your carrots, you put it in there and then you cover everything with dashi 
you can use water if you don't want to make dashi. Dashi is really easy to make. I've been using a site called justonecookbook.com that is amazing for Japanese cooking. So that's been my main reference. You can make a dashi. She'll teach you how to make one there. Also, there are now so many dashi powders that make it a really easy shortcut. You just mix the powder with some water. But again, if you just want to use water, you just want to get some chuck steak at the supermarket, you can make this with supermarket ingredients. And then basically you let everything simmer. Like I couldn't believe how we were simmering it. We were like letting it boil, like really letting it go at it until the potatoes are fork tender. And then you add the seasoning, which is basically soy sauce, mirin, and uh, sake. The Japanese like their stews a little sweet, so you might even add a little bit of sugar. And some people add a little bit of curry powder. I like it. It doesn't need to be a special Japanese curry powder. That's it. So it's just a very simple home-style meat and potato stew. And I think that that's the one thing that's really easy to replicate, which is supermarket ingredients. My kids love it. Sounds so delicious. Did you serve it with rice? I did. I served it with rice and I was jet lagged. It wasn't going to make anything else. I felt like it was a good one pot meal. No other vegetables. There are potato and carrots. It counts. And with rice, it was filling. So the other Japanese thing I made this week was okonomiyaki. And I will tell you that I have definitely found recipes for okonomiyaki on both Japanese food blogs and also white people doing Japanese food too, that don't require any special ingredients, go for it. I learned how to make it the Japanese way, including that special yam, which is just, I'm kind of obsessed. I think I need to do a reel about it. It's like it turns into a primordial ooze. It's so weird. You just grate it on a microplane and it just disintegrates into this sticky, gooey. It's like if your kids have made slime, that's what it turns into. And it just gives the pancake such a great texture. Anyway, it's basically like flour, this special yam. Also, if you're going to do it the right way, you want tempura flakes in there. So if you go to the Japanese food store, you can find basically like tempura crunchies, which I'm kind of obsessed with. And I feel like I want you, Jesse, to experiment with them in something baking too. Some they sound delicious. Little, they're delicious and they're crunchy and they're yummy. Some have a little shrimp mixed into them too. So be careful not to use those if you, if you make something sweet with it. But anyway, you want to make it from justonecookbook.com, which is the link that I'm going to share. You will need those extra ingredients. I think it's a really good reference to see like what okonomiyaki is, like how it works. But it's basically a savory pancake with tons of cabbage. And then you can put whatever else in. Octopus is popular. My kids like putting, uh, I put very thinly sliced pork belly on top and then I griddle it. So the pork belly gets really crispy on one side. You can put shrimp in there. Every part of Japan apparently has their own style of okonomiyaki and their own like different fillings that they put in there. Some are looser, some are more pancake-like. So whatever, there's a lot of like room for experimentation, a lot of margin of error. The big thing that you need though to make it okonomiyaki is you need the QP or the Japanese style mayo, which is a little more tangy, and you need okonomiyaki sauce, which is very easy to whip up at home. Again, on justonecookbook.com, you'll find a recipe for it. I like buying it. It's like a Japanese barbecue sauce. You put that on top. It's basically a street food, and it is so good. My kids don't like the bonito flakes on top. I mean, they do. That's how it was served to them, and they like it. 
At home, they skip it. I think it's a crime. Bonito flakes smell really fishy, but they really are smoky. Once you put them on with that mayo and that barbecue sauce, they actually just kind of melt into the sauces and become a real good smoke element that gives it a nice dimension of flavor. Love it. Serve that with a side of spinach. I learned how to make spinach in Japan. You steam it, squeeze it dry, and then you take ground sesame and a little dashi or soy sauce and toss it. And that's the dressing. Really easy, usually served cold. That sounds incredible. And I'm so impressed. I was at home making sloppy joe and you were going. <laughs> I swear, I mean, okonomiyaki is really easy. It's basically a shame a guest. <laughs> Listen, you showed me up. I wrote a chicken cookbook and you showed up with like a genius chicken recipe, whatever. <laughs> Actually, so my last my last thing that I made this week, because as much as the kids were psyched to continue having Japanese food, they were like, all right, listen, lady, can you like cut us some slack here? I made weeknight chicken marbella. So... Chicken Marbella is a famous, is it from the Silver Palette cookbook originally? I believe it is. A famous chicken recipe. I don't know if everybody knows that or I know that from my like chicken research. But it requires like an overnight marinade and it's just a little bit fussy. It's delicious but fussy. And I saw that the New York Times developed a weeknight version that comes together really fast. The flavor is a little bit different, but I can see that it's inspired by Chicken Marbella and it was great. Loved it. So I'm going to give you guys the link. I think it's a really good, easy weeknight chicken, also made with chicken thighs. But I also love that when you're giving your kids a break from Japanese food, you're not <laughs> moving over to to Sloppy Joe, to a chicken we, finger. Let me tell you <laughs> that I Sloppy Joe was in my last What We're Cooking and Eating Now. I did. Oh, I made Sloppy Joe. I Joe's. love that. Okay. I, I have to that. tell you that sometimes when I come back from vacation, I'm my most energetic around weeknight uh, cooking because I've had okay. two weeks off. I get it. I if get you it. had come on like the week before vacation, it would have been yeah. like, you know, it was like a bag yeah. of Doritos and yeah. sloppy joes. Yes. Yeah. Fish yeah. fingers. So yeah. I'm feeling inspired this week. I got you. I got you. But all that sounds so delicious. I can't wait to become your child and come to your house for dinner. <laughs> How about you just come over for dinner? <laughs> okay. And you have to bring dessert. That's the oh, only I'll bring, thing. I'll bring banana pudding pie. <laughs> Love it. Jesse, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. It's so fun to see you and talk to you always. And everybody out there listening, a reminder, you can get all the recipe links from this episode by visiting our free community. Join for free. How many times can I say free to get you guys to join? Didn't I just feed you.com backslash community. And while you're on that page, you can also see all of our different membership options too, in case you want bonus episodes, other goodies, access to our recipe archive. All the info is there. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at didn't I just feed you. A huge thank you to you, Jesse, and to our producer, Samantha Gatsik. I am Stacy. Stay sane and well fed until next time.